0: God's grace, His mercy, and His peace are yours from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Preliminary numbers are still coming out, but almost 2 billion people watched the, the royal wedding. 2 billion people sat in front of their TVs. Some got up at, what, 5 in the morning here to watch it over there in, in England. I. I didn't get up to watch it. I only watched like the half last half of it where they they're walking out of the church and everyone was cheering and excited. But two billion people all wanted to see this one event that was happening. And every time there's a royal wedding, it seems to get bigger and bigger and more people get to see it. And there are cameras everywhere, right? You can see absolutely everything that's going on uh, from the time they they come and the stand before the minister. To the time the preacher is preaching and the time they walk out and going down the street, there's not one moment where they're not in camera. Through the entire ceremony, everyone could watch. Two, almost two billion people watched. And you could know that everything was done down to the detail. Everything was Perfect. With that many people watching, you had to have everything perfect, and it really seemed like it was. The part I began to watch, when they were walking out of the church and they stood on the steps of the the, the cathedral, and everyone started cheering, this was their grand entry, this was their grand presentation to the world, that they are now a couple. And everyone celebrated. Thousands, millions of people, billions around the world celebrated. Then it got me thinking, how important everything that was said on that day really was. Billions of people listening to you. The the preacher stood up there, I I didn't hear his sermon. There are some people that said it it was a pretty good sermon. It was about love. But it really begins to make you think how frail words have become. Where we expect events like that where Everyone's watching, and you can listen, and there's going to be valuable information through the words that are spoken. But when it comes to our lives, it seems like words have become more and more frail and more and more difficult. And actually, we just don't really like words anymore. I have done this before, and people have done it to me. I give you my word. And every time someone says that to me, I start shaking my head. I'm like, I don't want your word because you're not going to do it. And so many people haven't done it, And I haven't done it for other people. And your word becomes useless because, well, you haven't followed up those words with actions. You haven't done what you said you would do. So words become a little bit more frail and a little harder to trust. You kind of see that, that we don't like words, even though there are... Tons of books being published and tons of authors who, who want to share their information. They fill the bookstore and there aren't enough people to, to take the books and read it. In fact, we come to this situation where on Twitter we're only allowed 280 characters of words. We don't want to hear more words than that. Even headlines. In, in newspapers you have... Headlines that tell you what it's gonna be about, but now we can't even have words for headlines. We need a picture there called a meme to help the words that are there. We have Instagram that barely has any words. And that's how we communicate. Snapchat, we don't use any words anymore. We're kind of tired of words. We've run out of words. Poor, overused, underrated words that seems to be the battle that Luke's fighting today in the our book of Acts in the account of Pentecost he's trying to point to words he's trying to point to something that is really important he's talking about Pentecost the the time the Holy Spirit was sent by God to come to his church and equip them and empower them to go and share the gospel and be witnesses and prophesy to the world. And here he's fighting for words. As it begins to say, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then he highlights these certain things that are indicators of Pentecost. These one times things that come on Pentecost. But they're only indicators of what Luke wants us to see. He says, First, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Wind? That's not really wind. You're sitting there and you hear the sound of wind and it. it, it's probably one of those times when your senses just play tricks on you. You, you feel like you should feel something. You hear like the, there's wind blowing through the, the room, but there's nothing. Not even a breeze. Send your mind into flips, wondering what's happening. As everyone's sitting there, not, they all hear it, but it's only the sound of violent wind. And then sitting there, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Tongues of fire that it didn't burn them, it had no heat. They were like tongues of fire and they came and rested on every single person. There was something going on here, something that was beyond the senses that we know, something that was different from what we know, something special. It was Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was coming, but these things, the, the fire and the wind, oh look around, I don't see fire on your heads right now. The only wind we, we hear are maybe the wind from the AC unit blowing. These were one-time things, pointing to something that was much more important. See, this was a moment when the Holy Spirit was breaking into human society, into human life, because God sent them coming into the church, and here were indicators, here were markers that this was happening. Here was, was a starting gun going off, indicating the start of something. Here was the grand entry of the Holy Spirit standing before everyone on the steps saying, here I am, and here's something we have to understand. It wasn't a one-time event. This wasn't a one-and-done event. That's not what Luke is writing here. See, Luke, he's not a historian. That's not his characteristics. As he writes his books, you see he's a, a carer for souls. He cares for those who are downtrodden. He, he focuses on those those. Miracles of Jesus healing and, and binding together and bringing, and here he's doing the same. He's an evangelist. He's telling us something that is happening at Pentecost and really telling us why it's valuable for our life still today. He's looking back at Pentecost and he's picking out all these details which actually happened, the the wind and the fire, and he's using them to point to something that is truly important, the reason Pentecost happened, and this is the reason it happened. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here was the grand entry of the Holy Spirit and here are the indicators that the flames, the thing that looked like flames on people's head, the sound that came, the Holy Spirit was coming, but when he finally came, it was with words. Not just babbling, not just making sounds with your mouth that are nonsensical, not, not just saying random words gave them real words. Real words that they spoke. And the Holy Spirit filled that room and filled their their mouths with words and it spilled out in the streets as they went at at this Pentecost and people from every part of the nation were coming. And this is what they heard. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewil- bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They heard them speaking words. And we got to pause and realize the great significance of this moment: Words. Going back to the Tower of Babel, that were confused. When man thought that they could build a big city and become great by themselves, despite God's command to go fill the earth, what did God do? He confused their words, he scrambled them. One day they're talking and figuring out how to build all these buildings in this one big tower. The next day they come and they can't understand each other. Not at all. They had to to leave and spread out through the the world because of that, because they could not understand. And yet here, Jews from every nation are coming and they hear words in their own language. If you ever been in a nation that doesn't speak the same language you do, you feel how alone you are until there's someone who could speak the same language you do and then become your best friend. To hear words. God gave the Holy Spirit gave them words to speak. This was the power of the Holy Spirit. This was the the point of Pentecost to equip his people with words to speak. And how did the people respond? Were their hearts pounding? Excited for the, the power that they got to experience and see as they hear God's words in their own language? Were they ready to jump on board and saying, this is the power of God and we are ready to share this message? Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? That's a stereotype. Just to note. Are all these men backwoods Toothless, uneducated types that are speaking these words? In the midst of Pentecost, these are Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Then it goes on to say in verse 13 Some, however, made fun of them and said, They too have much wine. The conspiracy theories begin to roll. How is this possible? That these Galileans are speaking different languages. Uneducated Galileans speaking God's word. There must be a, 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 some sort of solution, some sort of reason for this to happen. They must have been drinking a little bit too much. Even in the midst of God's power, Poured out on Pentecost, their people are stereotyping. Their people are finding reasons not to agree with what was happening. They're forming their own opinions, even even though it only took one step to see. No drunk person could speak another language just like that. It it was only. A, they were finding reasons not to believe. That's really the shedding point of Pentecost. Either you see Pentecost as something that is immaculately wonderful, or you wonder what the use is. Because don't you see what Pentecost is? This is a massive multicultural unifying event that the Holy Spirit brought about and it was only the beginning. This is only the the, the grand entry into what the Holy Spirit would continue to do. But Luke brings this darker side of Pentecost to us so that we understand. We understand how the sinful heart even in the midst of power can turn in rejection of it. We see that people even hearing their own native language, God's word and that the treasures of God that is Christ and his love and forgiveness for us can flat out reject it and turn away from it. They see a church and they look around and they don't see flames, tongues of flames on our head. And we see a church and we don't hear a violent breeze. We don't even feel a breeze. We wonder, is the Holy Spirit still here? And all we have is, is God's word and his word and song and his sacraments, God's word attached to water and to bread and to wine. And we, we wonder, is this God's power? and you only have a barely 30-year-old preaching the word to you, just as uneducated as a Galilean? And we're either going to ask and wonder, is God working? Isn't he working? Or is the church at a dead end? Have we plateaued? Is there nothing to look forward to? I think we're all kind of at fault for that. Some people, they feel as if coming to worship is not something that they want to do. Here we have God's holy word and sacraments. Why wouldn't you want to be here? This is where the Holy Spirit comes. Some aren't interested in finding churches. They can be spiritual on themselves. Here's where God says, where two or three are gathered, there I am with you. Even in my life, there have been so many sermons I sat through. I saw the preacher's lips moving. I couldn't tell you one word after church that he said. Times we come and worship together and we say the prayers of the church. And we're really thinking about lunch later on or what we're going to do to relax in the evening. You see, we we need this forgiveness of sins that the Holy Spirit gives to us and credits to us and yet God's word comes to us so many times and we just slaughter it by our inattention to it. By our concerns for the world. We do it all the time. Pentecost is really that, that watershed moment. Are we excited about this? Or, or we feel that church is losing esteem? It's great the way Peter responds. Because he hears all these people and he, he knows that they're saying all these guys are maybe drunk He hears the theories, and yet he doesn't go to them and say, well, if you don't want to hear it, then just leave. We're going to go find people who want to hear it. No, he he stays there, and he he actually continues to talk with them, and he he does this. The people who are rejecting God's word, he gives more of God's word to them. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. little joke there by Peter. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He goes back to Joel. He explains, this is what Joel said. God's word says. God is going to give his thoughts and words to people. That's what he says in Joel. And those people are going to speak that word. They're going to prophesy. And you look at our church, and you may not see flames or sound of violent, rushing wind, but you've got to get excited because we had the very thing that Luke is pointing to. The word is still here. A word that the Holy Spirit brought that worked on the hearts of thousands. You see, that that whole event, the Pentecost, was was like the first fruits. It was a bumper crop of what was going to come. Thousands that day came to believe. Thousands heard in their native language. Thousands did. That was only the beginning. And we get to be part of the rest of the story. Words are sometimes fickle. Sometimes we get tired of words. Sometimes we want to see the Holy Spirit or feel the Holy Spirit working. We want to hear the wind. We want to to see the flames. But words are it. That was the power. That's what Luke was pointing to, that's what the Holy Spirit gave. He gave them language and words to speak, not just any words, powerful words. Powerful words that work salvation in us. Powerful words that plant seeds in unbelieving hearts and converts them to believers powerful words that are God's words. Pentecost is one of those other celebrations in the Christian church. Sometimes it doesn't get the recognition of Easter or Christmas, but this is one of the greatest celebrations that we have. And how can you not get excited for it? God has given us His Holy Spirit, His Word. So that as we talk to people, it powerfully hits their hearts. As we speak God's Word to them, Christ comes to them and crushes their hardened brick hearts and soften it so that they receive the Gospel and believe it. And it's with Word that we address all those who jeer and sneer The power of God, which comes in word. Pentecost is the Holy Spirit's grand entry. Those fire and wind, that was him coming to us. Those are indicators that he was here, but what he left was his word. Let's get excited for it. Let's be excited for what church is and what it can become because the Holy Spirit is here with us. In every word that we speak of his scriptures, and every time we see his sacrament, every song of praise to him, his words are powerful because they're God's words. Amen. Please stand. We continue by confessing our faith with the words of the Nicene Creed, printed for you on the bottom page 5 in your bulletin. We confess our faith. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the, ho- the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian apostolic church,